This episode of The Outside Podcast is brought to you by The North Face, telling stories of women pushing the boundaries of exploration. Today, it's Hillary Nelson. And I'm a ski mountaineer. Hillary Nelson was not some sort of child prodigy. She didn't find her calling in the mountains until she was a teenager. But once she did, there was no looking back. I don't know, it was just magic. It fit with my body type, it fit with my spirit, my mind, and I think that was when I first knew, like, whoa, this is, like, somehow, I don't know how, but what I was meant to do. It wasn't long before she was traveling all around the world on expeditions, to India, Kamchatka, Mongolia, and Myanmar. And while it's not easy to be a female badass mountaineer, it's even harder to be a female badass mountaineer with kids. The mountains keep calling. So much so that when my first kid was 10 months old like I left and went to Pakistan for eight weeks and went on a you know really aggressive trip and not just as a team member I was the team leader being an expedition leader and raising kids are both about taking responsibility for other people's lives the problem is Hillary wanted to raise kids who would do the things they were passionate about she felt like she had to be that person I wanted to show that to my kids so I like, might have been a little aggressive and it, it was really hard. I don't know if I could do it again, to be honest. But um, I think they see it. Find out more about epic adventures that can inspire everyday adventures at thenorthface.com slash shemovesmountains. It's part of the North Face's Move Mountains initiative, where they're telling the stories of women like Hillary, who's inspiring not just her own kids, but an entire generation of explorers. That's thenorthface.com slash shemovesmountains. From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are Dispatches, stories from our writers in the field. In most towns, running isn't a sport with a rabid following. Football, yes. Basketball, yes. But running doesn't usually bring out the crowds in the same way. Except in the one place it does. Eugene, Oregon. Eugene proudly calls itself Tracktown, USA, and it lives up to the name. It can sometimes feel like everyone in Eugene is a runner. It inspired Tracktown, and we weren't going to make Tracktown until we moved there. Alexi Pappas is an Olympic middle-distance runner. She's also the star and co-director of Tracktown, a feature film set in Eugene. And I was like, wow, this is a world, this is a world that I've never seen before and that I would like to capture through my art where running's really important, whereas for most of my life, running was important to me, but not important to everybody around me. Tracktown is a coming-of-age story. It follows Plum, a young woman training for the Olympic trials, who's forced to take time off after injuring herself. I want you to take tomorrow completely off. No running. But I never take days completely off. The finals are in three days. I'm well aware but if you want to toe the line strong, you need to be smart now. Alexi and her fiancé, Jeremy Tyker, made the film while she was training to compete in the Rio Olympics in 2016. Outside contributor Stephanie Joyce wanted to talk to Alexi about her own coming of age, as an athlete and as an artist. Alexi's resume as a runner is impressive, but it's not her times on the track that have earned her a following in the running world. It's the quirky, sincere, vulnerable personality that comes through in her movies and writing and prolific tweets. 
Alexi's young fans call themselves Bravies after a short poem that she wrote. Some of them even have tattoos that reference it. Run like a bravey, sleep like a baby, dream like a crazy, replace can't with maybe. Before she became a professional athlete, Alexi wanted to be a poet. When she was a senior in college, she applied to graduate school for creative writing, and she got into several on full scholarship. But she was also offered the chance to run a fifth year of college track at the University of Oregon in Eugene. Of all people, my poetry mentor, who, who, was, craft, you know, who was raising me as a writer, told me that like you have to go and use your body while you've still got it. And she was very sick, actually. And I think she really, really valued this unique window of time that I had to really push my body. And she was like, you can be a poet forever. And so with her confidence, I decided to turn down or defer these poetry scholarships. And then I went to Oregon, and that's when I really you know, grew to another level as an athlete. And I was around in Oregon, all these professional runners on the Oregon Track Club Elite. And uh, I, I, I had this feeling more and more that that was a possibility for me. And once again, you know, applied to schools because I thought then I would go to those poetry schools after Oregon and made the same gut-wrenching decision to, to do this thing that I might not be able to do forever. So you turned down fully funded MFA programs twice, not once, but twice. Twice. You know, it's not just funding, but it's also security because you're on a track. You're on a path. And and to chase an Olympic dream is not for sure. You might not graduate from that school. Alexi has never liked well-defined paths. In early high school, she was one of the best young runners in California. But then her track coach told her she had to pick track or her other activities. I was a pretty serious soccer player, was loving student government, the theater, and all that. And I just didn't appreciate having the pressure from coaches when I was that young to specialize in one sport. And so I so I didn't I didn't run and I had a somewhat more regular junior and senior high school experience. And I remember feeling very, you know, upset about not being able to run because I hadn't, I felt found the joy or reached my potential in it. But I think I would do it again in in a heartbeat because I, I became the confident and and social and capable person I I am by by doing what I what I did. In Tracktown, Alexi imagines how her life would have been different if she'd done what her coaches wanted. Her character Plum runs to the exclusion of everything else. I don't skip things. You didn't just leave your job at the bakery if someone wanted you to hang out, would you? No, but I also, at a certain time during the day, stop working. I stop working. Oh. <laughs> running doesn't work that way. Alexi started running again in college at Dartmouth, but she wasn't thinking about being a professional athlete. At first, she just wanted to be able to keep up with the rest of the cross-country team. I knew that I had a competitive 
not even just an itch, but I knew inside of me was like a mind of a champion. I just was not physically there yet. And that was tough because I was the worst on the team and the worst in the league and not good enough for the travel squad. And I was failing classes at first because I just wasn't used to the academics at Dartmouth. I felt like I was on another planet because I just had never experienced a winter before. And my dad just was like, keep showing up every day. And I was like, okay. And that's kind of how he's always been and not in a bad way, in a really good way. Alexi's dad was the person who introduced her to running. He took her and her brother to the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. And I watched a man run the marathon uh, who I didn't obviously know then would later become my college coach, Mark Coogan. And I think it's so cool to know now that, you know, you're there as a six-year-old and you're watching someone who will one day give you the confidence to get there yourself. Do you remember much about the experience? Do you remember how you felt being there? Yes, I remember crowds and I remember I remember being in awe of Olympians and I remember feeling like that is a really really worthy goal. Place where the best athletes were gathering was really, you know, it expanded my ceiling for what was what existed in the world. It's like I I love window shopping for that sake like I like seeing what exists in the world and the Olympics are just the the pinnacle of of athletic achievement and once you see it in real life you're like this is a thing I can touch and be as close to as I am and maybe closer one day but on the way to the Olympics there were plenty of times when Alexi wondered if she was making the right decision she graduated from Dartmouth with student loan debt, and she worried about paying the bills while she was chasing her Olympic ambitions. You know, there's that sense of like, I'm I'm betting on myself, and I'm betting on my body, and I'm betting on my potential in a way that is challenging um, for anyone, but definitely I think someone who has those responsibilities I was always making sure that I was being financially responsible, not just, you know, I wasn't putting myself in a hole. I made sure I could support this dream. Did that mean taking other jobs or how did you how did you support yourself? I can't imagine that being a starting out competitive athlete is terribly lucrative. No, it's it's not, but you can do it. I had local food sponsors for a while, so I had a beef sponsor with the local butcher shop, coffee sponsor, bread sponsor. Did I name them all? <laughs> so I had food sponsors. That's a very Eugene thing. It's very Eugene. Like... And Eugene is such a wonderful place to be where I was because they they supported my dream in that way. And and I realized like I don't need a sunglass sponsorship at this point. I can't eat sunglasses. So I was really, you know what it was, is I really knew my goal. My goal was to 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 train for the Olympics. And I really wrote down with my with, you know, with thought what I needed to get there. And it wasn't too much money. It was like enough money and it was food and it was shoes and it was coaching and it was teammates and it was good trails. It was those and a lot of those things are intangible. And so Eugene provided all of that and I had enough. It wasn't like way more than we needed, but it was way enough. And that was the most important thing. 
Of course, Eugene also provided the creative backdrop for Tracktown. In spite of the name, most of the film isn't actually about running. It's about relationships and how those change as we grow up. Sweetie, I know you're worried about tomorrow's race. But listen. Do you know what the kernels are? What, Dad? Untapped potential. In Tracktown, Alexi's character has a close relationship with her dad and a complicated one with her mom, who doesn't live with them. That has parallels to Alexi's own life. She and her brother were raised by their dad. There's this moment in Tracktown when your character's dad walks into the room while she's shaving her armpits. Tell me about what it was like to grow up sort of surrounded by boys. Yes, I've had a million moments like that. Probably more moments like that than not moments like that. And lovingly, we crafted Bert Plum's dad. He's not he's not my dad, but he's not not he's not not my dad. And growing up with my dad and my brother, it was hilarious and like very hilarious and very uncomfortable and very uh, amusing and very challenging. Like my dad took me bra shopping for the first time. And that was like he was so dedicated to trying to make sure he ticked off all the womanly boxes. It's just he didn't always know exactly how. And so we were just both figuring everything out together. Um, In Tracktown, your character's dad is obviously super proud of her running accomplishments. There are a lot of trophies and newspaper clippings that are all over in the house. Um, But your character also basically accuses him of living his life through hers. You need me to make you happy. Plum, I'm perfectly happy. No, you're sad. No, I am happy. Is there an element of that to your relationship with your dad in real life? Um, you know, I think for Plum, it's a bigger deal because she has been so laser focused. However, they are both the proudest, most supportive dads. And that can sometimes, you know, like... I think as a teenager, too, we have to somehow figure out how to not mistake our parents' pride for pressure and to know that, like, they're so proud of us. They'd probably be proud of us if we were pursuing something else, too. And so my dad just wanted me to stay busy. I think that was, like, the most important thing to him. When you have, like, sort of a tragedy when you're pretty young, I think the best thing you can do is stay busy. And so that's what that was his goal above all. How old were you when you understood why your mom wasn't around? Uh, well, my, so my mom died, passed away when I was four. Um, I didn't know that she committed suicide until I was in seventh grade. Everybody knew but me. And I just, I think... Just I don't know if people just real didn't realize that I didn't know how she passed away. Um, I think it's it would be hard to communicate that to a four year old, but it was very um, tough when I learned that I did not know what like I think basically everybody else knew. There there's definitely this moment of like oh okay that is some thank you for telling me that you know. Like, that is good to know. Yeah, that's a lot to learn as a seventh. I mean, how did you deal with with the new information? 
I was confused at first because I thought that she, I knew that she smoked a lot of cigarettes. And it was during this time in the 90s where everyone was like, don't smoke cigarettes. I was like, that's how she died. Um, And uh, I was like, man, that sucks. That sucks that someone would like leave so early. Um, Like, why? And, you know, you see things differently when you know certain facts. And so I think even though she passed away when I was four, my relationship with her has certainly been ongoing and like has evolved in my understanding of her and how I feel about her and how I relate to her and how she comes to me or doesn't and how I visit her or I don't. And so what it did for me was made me very honest in terms of how much I was uh, shared with people about like my own emotions because I figure that if you feel that sad, you probably feel really lonely or you weren't able to share it. And so I think what it did for me is that everybody, somebody knows everything about me. So I think that it really gave me this gift of being very open and honest with myself and with others, because I think if you're able to hold, if people can hold those things for you, you're not going to like end up being so sad that you would leave. Was there a time when you were angry at her? I'm thinking of, you know, sort of the the emotions that um, Plum expresses towards her mom. I don't need a mom. That's what I came here to tell you. But it makes me happy to come visit you. Dad and I figured it out, so you don't have to worry about it anymore, you know? There was, like, a time when I was, you know, probably going through, like, puberty or something like around that age when I think I just felt like am I not like were is this world not good enough am I not good enough like what was so bad and I think at that time I had like no understanding of depression and of mental illness and I knew it was probably more complicated than that but like there's definitely a period of time when I like you know, visited her less and just was on a very, I'm not going to end up like that type of, of energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, now I think I understand a bit more. And now when I receive messages from girls and boys on social media privately, there are a lot of people who are suffering from, from, you know, either mild or extreme cases of depression and just challenges like that. And I think more than anything, I understand that that it's so important to ask for help. And maybe that's something that she didn't have or just wasn't brave enough to be able to, to ask for. Alexi never knew her mom, but she says one of the things that they share in common is a love of acting. Tracktown was Alexi's first time on the big screen. She was in good company. The film's other stars were Rachel Dratch from Saturday Night Live and Andy Buckley from The Office. When did you first become interested in theater and in performance? Always, 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 always. And I think running is a performance, so I'm always performing. And when I when I was little, I did a lot of theater and have always loved it. I like to to perform for people. I'm curious how it felt for you to be 
acting alongside professionals in your movie debut. Yeah. Oh, it was it was amazing. It was a gift to be alongside Rachel, Andy, and, and everybody else. Those people are certainly people I admire and look up to. And just like when you're running next to someone you admire, you are elevated by them. As long as you feel like they want you to be there, which I felt that, you can grow from being around people who are at the top of their game. And it's thrilling to be next to someone like that because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm keeping up. I'm here. We're like sharing equal sides of the screen and and then you can take it and grow your own abilities and your own confidence by being around people at the top of their game like that. And I just think it's very inefficient to not be extremely brave and push on yourself in these opportunity moments. Alexi has dual citizenship in Greece and the U.S., and she ran for the Greek national team in Rio. I was peaking physically, so I was ready to run well. So physically, I felt very like my body was in line with my mind, which is so special. It was so fun to be among the best and feel like I truly belonged there. But even though Alexi beat the Olympic qualifying time by 30 seconds, as she got ready to race in Brazil, it was pretty clear that she didn't stand a chance of winning. And my coach even prepared me by saying, you know what, you're probably going to get lapped. Because a lot of us, I think everyone but three people got lapped in that race because it was a world record breaking 10K. But, but he said, but you can also run out of your mind, a personal best, a national record, even if you get lapped. So Alexi was there at the starting line, ready to follow her own advice. Replace can't with maybe. So it didn't so much feel like me against her, against her, against her. It was like all of us charge, like all of us do everything, do our best. And it was really beautiful to do that with the world's best. This piece was produced by Stephanie Joyce and edited by me, Peter Frickwright, with music by Robbie Carver. It was brought to you by The North Face, helping empower and inspire the next generation of female explorers. More at thenorthface.com slash shemovesmountains. We'll be back next week 